Well, good morning, church. So good to be back with you. I was out of state two weeks ago uh, taking a couple classes and was able to worship at a dear friend of mine, church, uh, Pastor Dean Olive. Uh, and then due to impending weather, we didn't gather last week. Uh, and so thank you, uh, Pastor Michael, uh, for preaching two weeks ago. I listened to the sermon uh, that night driving back into Tennessee, and I was uh, blessed and I was encouraged uh, by his sermon. Uh, but it's, it's good to be back here with you, church, and to stand behind uh, this sacred desk. Uh, ever since I was asked uh, back in November uh, to be your pulpit supply, I have weekly, weekly looked with much uh, anticipation uh, to stand before you and to be a servant uh, to you. It's definitely been a unique position for me, uh, and I assume, I imagine, uh, for you as well. Uh, to have the same guest preacher each week. Uh, that's what pulpit supply is. I'm not the pastor. I'm not even the interim. I was asked to be pulpit supply. So uh, just to clear up any misconceptions, as I think some even thought I was the new pastor, uh, I am simply and with much gratitude pulpit supply. Or as one person put it, you're just the same guest preacher each week. Uh, and so... Uh, I am, and I look forward to, uh, to these last two weeks that we have together. Uh, I'm so, so grateful for my time uh, with you, that you've been so kind to me uh, and my family. And I pray the Lord's Word has, has worked and will continue to work uh, in your heart. Uh, so let's pray. Let's pray together. Will you bow with me in prayer? Oh God, you've never left us, and you've never forsaken us. What a great promise you've given us. Lord, oftentimes we've wondered. We've wandered off. We've erred. We've not fixed our gaze upon Jesus. We've looked too low. We've been encumbered and burdened. But, oh God, by your Spirit, would you come close to us today? Would you renew our hearts for you? And Lord, for, for those that don't know you this morning, as Savior, as Lord, as King, that you would do a great work in their heart. Oh Lord, may we, may we see your gospel as sweet all again this morning. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you turn with me in your Bible to Jeremiah, we'll not be in the Psalms this morning. We'll be in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 8. I'll give you just a few moments to get there. It's on past the Psalms, past the Psalms, and keep going towards the New Testament. But we're in the Old Testament this morning in Jeremiah, chapter 8, the prophet Jeremiah the people of God. Jeremiah chapter 8, God's infallible word is an errant word, is inspired word. God's word is always true. It doesn't have to be verified by us. It doesn't have to be verified by, by the church. God's word is true, period. Jeremiah chapter 8, we'll read verses 18 through 22. And we'll focus in this morning on verses 21 and 22. Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. My sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. 
Behold, listen, the cry of the daughter of my people from a distant land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not within her? Why have they provoked me with their graven images, with foreign idols? Harvest is past. Summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the brokenness of the daughter of my people, I am broken. I mourn. Dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So what's going on here? Who is this prophet in the Old Testament? Well, the book of Jeremiah records God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he's prophesying to a people, to a nation that had left God. Seems somewhat applicable this morning. They had turned away from God. They were trying to figure out things on their own. Perhaps even us this morning, trying to figure out things on our own. They were trying to go about things without God. They were acting like the wicked nations around them. And the prophet Jeremiah, he preached, and he preached, and he warned, and he rebuked, and still the people paid no attention. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah was not very successful at making converts. He continued in vain, trying to turn the people back to God. You see, the people, they had forsaken God. They had begun worshiping false idols. They'd begin adopting the foreign fake idols and little gods of the nations and the peoples around them. And they had broken God's law over and over. The children of Israel had actually gone so far that they had built altars to a god oftentimes referred to as Baal or Baal, and they would burn their children to death as a sacrifice to this idol. How far they had fallen. And Jeremiah, the prophet of of God, was there to expose the people's sins, to, to warn them of the coming judgment of God. Read verse 21 with me again, please. For the brokenness of the daughter of my people, I am broken. I mourn. Dismay has taken hold of me. We see this desperate state of the daughter of God's people, or it can be translated, it can be understood as the church of God or the people of God. So we have God's people and their their suffering. They need healing. They're in need of a remedy. And they're in need of a physician. They're in need of a doctor. Look at verse 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? You see, the region of Gilead was, it was east of the Jordan River. 
Now, the Hebrew root word in Gilead is really gal, but when we translate it, it's gil in English. But it means heap, or mound, or exalted place. A hilly, a hilly country. And the ending ad in Gilead, the ending there means a witness or a testimony. So put that root word and that ending together to form the word Gilead. So we have this heap or this mound, this, this hill, and then we have the word witness or testimony. So Gilead can be translated or understood as hill of testimony or mound of witness. Now in this area called Gilead, there grew these certain trees. They're of great value. They were very rare. Because these trees would be wounded, these trees would be cut. And when these incisions were made, this resin or tree sap, if you will, it would bleed, it would flow, and it would trickle down. And this very precious balm, or maybe we would say ointment or medicine, it would be made out of these trees. It would contain these healing properties. And this balm of Gilead was highly regarded and it was valued because it could cleanse wounds and it could soothe pain and it could cure disease and it could heal sickness. People from everywhere, they wanted, they needed this balm. This balm is to believe to have been very scarce, very rare. At the time, the region of Gilead had the most trees that contained this resin to make this balm. And because it was beneficial and because it was rare, it was precious. It was of high worth. You see, to get this balm of Gilead, you had to go to this specific place. You had to go to this certain type of tree upon these hills to get this balm That was the place you had to go. It was the only place that you could go and get this healing balm. There was no other place. And these particular trees grew more so in Gilead. Some even think there were only two orchards that grew these trees. And the resin that would make this balm would ooze out. And there at the the foot of the tree, people from all over... They would come and they would collect it. And as people would come and and get this healing balm, they didn't have to have a degree. They didn't have to have initials behind their names. They didn't have to come from a powerful family. It just had to be applied. It had to be put on And it began to work. And it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what color your skin was. This balm was to be applied to everything. Every sickness, every disease, every ailment. Is it starting to come together? There was a testimony given on a hill where an incision was cut in the side. 
and something float out that is of great value and can cleanse and heal and soothe. But it is found at a certain place and from a specific donor as it hung on the tree. This high quality ointment, this salve, this balm has healing properties. It's the saving power of Jesus. The one true treatment that never fails to heal our spiritual wounds. The balm that cleanses our conscience and perfects our souls. The balm in Gilead is a reference from the Old Testament, but we understand it as the concept of salvation through Jesus Christ. The balm of Gilead is interpreted as a spiritual medicine that is able to heal sinners. And this balm of Gilead is for your sin. The sickness of your soul. For even you this morning, there is a balm, and it is the blood of Jesus. And it has the power to cleanse you and forgive you of all your sins. Read verse 22 again with me, please. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? And so we have the question. Is there no appropriate balm? Is there no correct prescription? Is there no physician? No skillful, faithful doctor to apply this balm? The answer is yes. Oh yes, there certainly is. God is able to help them. Only God can heal them. God can right all the wrongs. And for you, this morning, today, God can make you new. New through faith in the gospel. So why was their health not restored? It was not God's fault. They were not lacking in balm. They were not lacking in a physician, but they would not apply it. They would not submit to the ways of the cure. The medicine was there. The doctor was there. But the people had not been made willing. The balm of Gilead is the blood of Christ. And we know that God, the great physician, that's who he is. And all that is needed to cleanse us of sin and make us whole by Christ's righteousness. God speaking through Jeremiah in chapter 30 on into the letter here. He says, I will restore you to health and will heal all your wounds. God as a physician will come at the right time. In the person of Christ, the great physician. You see, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the body. It entered the soul. And it affected all areas of our being. If you're ever bitten by a venomous snake, that venom runs through every artery and every vein in your body. Much like that is what happened to Adam when he sinned. It affected him. And now us. 
in every way. We're sick in all of our ways. Our heart, our mind, our soul is is now tainted. To some extent, our every thought, our every word, our every action is corrupted by sin. And because our soul and mind are infected, we choose evil. And now we have this great cancer of the soul that only the balm of Gilead, only the blood of Christ can heal. And so as the prophet calls out, is there no balm in Gilead? It's an emergency. Does the patient have to die from this disease? Must the sinner sink under his sins? Is there any hope? Is there any hope for someone who has wandered far away from God? Who has forgotten about God? For someone that has neglected God. Is there anything to help someone who is still trapped in a life of sin? Do these people have to die under the burden of guilt? Is there no balm in Gilead? Did the balm run out? Has the balm stopped working? Is there no balm in Gilead? But that very question implies that there is indeed, yes, there is a balm in Gilead. That God has provided the exact remedy that is needed for the disease. That there are more healing powers in the, in the balm of Gilead that is the blood of Jesus than there are sins to harm. And brothers and sisters, there is more, more grace to save than there is sin to destroy. So what is this precious balm? It's the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for sinners. It is the Savior's blood that cleanses us from all sins. All sins. Sins before salvation. Sins after salvation. Sins of thought, sins of word, sins of deed, sins of omission, and sins of commission. Sins against light and sins against life. Sins against love and sins against the law. Sins against the gospel. Sins against God. In every shape and every form of every name of every kind of every darkness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. Not just from some sins. Not just from many sins. Not just a thousand or a million sins. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all, all sin. Have you been forgiven of your sins this morning? Have you applied this healing, saving, forgiving balm to your soul? And now let us look at our second question in verse 22. Is there no physician there? We need a doctor as much as we need the balm, as much as we need the medicine. As was said earlier, we're, we're all sick in our, in our heart and in our mind and in our soul. And because of that, we need a physician who knows all of our secret diseases, who knows our heart perfectly and understands the diseases in our head. 
One who sees all of our backslidings in this life, our our shortcomings, our doubts, our fears, the times that we're cold and we just don't care. We need a doctor that knows when we are helpless and unable, that knows our unbelief and our sin and knows how dirty and messed up we are. We need a physician who can look into our hearts and perfectly understand these problems and still deal with us in tenderness and wisdom and with grace. There is this almighty physician and his name is Jesus Christ. And if by God's grace we put ourselves into his hands, or better yet, if he will attend to us, he will deal with us in the most tender and gentle and kind way. And still there are times that while we are under his care that are painful. Because as he examines us, he will touch the sore places. And he will cleanse the deep wounds. And sometimes his medicine seems bitter to us. But it's because he knows what is best for us. And then the last question. Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? Clearly, it implies that there was a balm in Gilead, that there was a blessed physician there, yet the health of the daughter of his people was not restored. It was not recovered. You know, this morning, many of you, you know this. You're being told that there's a remedy and that there's a doctor. There is a balm and there is a physician. And yet your wounds are not healed. Your sins are not forgiven. Your sickness is not relieved. Because you'll not submit to God. Praise God, there is a balm in Gilead. Because if there was not, we should just lay down and die and give up. Because our sins are so big. And our backsliding is so repetitive. And our minds are so dark. And our hearts are so hard. And our love is so cold. And our souls are so wishy-washy. And we're always wandering off. But there is a balm in Gilead. The blood of Jesus There is a physician there, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when that balm is applied, it begins to soften and and melt and humble and heal. And it brings strength and healing as it cures and preserves and perseveres the believer. So to answer the prophet, is there no balm in Gilead? Yes, there is. And it is found By trusting in the life and in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus. Is there no physician there? Well, yes, there is. And he is the mighty King Jesus. So there's a medicine and there's a physician. If you get the right medicine and you've got the right doctor, why are the people not healthy? Why are they not cured? Why do they not have healing? 
because they need the true balm of Gilead. They need the true cure, the gospel of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And they don't need just any physician, but they need the great and mighty physician, Christ Jesus. Applied to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in Mark 2, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus says that he's not come to call the self-righteous, legalistic people that think they've got it all together. They think they don't need a Savior. But that Jesus has come to call sick to call the sinners who are sickly and need help and know they are a lost cause. That only, only the great physician can heal. I must caution some of you. Some of you don't truly want the balm of Gilead. You don't want the healing of salvation given through Jesus Christ. You just want enough to soothe your conscience. Just for a moment. You just want to stay on the surface level. Just enough to numb your conscience. And and let me warn you, Jesus Christ, dear ma'am, dear sir, he will have all of you. Every bit of your person. Or he will have none of you. True salvation goes to the heart of the matter. It goes all the way to the soul. In church, we must be very careful, extremely cautious that we are putting our trust in Jesus, that we are finding our hope in Jesus and not in anything else or in anyone else. This church, it loves to serve, absolutely loves to help other people. And not just here in our community and in our neighborhoods, but but around the whole world, around the globe, feeding and, and clothing. And so many of you individually, you serve this church. And you serve your neighborhoods and your schools and your communities and your workplaces. There's so many programs and and so many dollars given. So much service and so much charity. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're just putting a dab of the balm on there just to soothe your conscience. Just to stifle it a bit. Or are you doing it because you know Jesus as your Savior? And if you're a first-time guest or you're the, the oldest member here, if you're here just to get a little dab of this balm just to soothe your conscience for the moment, then know the remedy has not been applied to you. You're not obeying the doctor's orders. You're not submitting to his authority. You haven't bowed the knee to King Jesus and confessed him as King of kings and Lord of lords of your life. You see, you don't get to set the terms. Now, there are terms of peace, but they're his terms. You know, you may know some facts about Jesus. You may have read about him. But if you've not by God's grace, through faith alone, trusted in Jesus... And you're not trusting Jesus even now, right now, for your salvation. You have no hope. 
You have no assurance. You have no forgiveness. You cannot trust in anything else to give you right standing before a holy God. The only thing that allows you to stand accepted before God is Jesus Christ. And if he is not your Savior, then the wrath of God abides on you. And you'll meet him in the day of judgment. And he will be right and just in your condemnation. But if you will trust, not not in who you are or what you've done or use the excuse that you've gone too far. But if you will call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will forgive your sins. And he will cleanse your conscience. And he will take away your guilt. And he will save your soul. And he will put you right with God. And the byproduct, not even the main product, is an eternal home with God. Where you'll know him and you'll enjoy him forever. And there'll be no sadness and no sickness and no darkness and no death. And I underline that because how many times have we been told, Oh, you want to go to heaven? Well, trust Jesus. How about, do you want to be right with God? Do you want to be forgiven of your sins? Do you want to be accepted before a holy and just God? Then turn from your sins and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. And you'll be made right with God. And you'll be adopted into his family. And yes, you'll be welcomed into heaven, which is ultimately God come down heaven on earth. You know, we think of that at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. We see how Jesus has lived this perfect life that we can never live. How Jesus has died this death that we deserve. Jesus has has died in the place for all those that will trust in him for forgiveness, for salvation. You know, all the other religions in the world, they say, do this, do this, do this. What does Jesus say? He says, it is finished. All the other religions say, you've got to reach me. But God, who is rich in mercy, says that he will come down to his people. God draws his people to himself. John 6, 44, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Is the Lord this morning, is the Lord drawing you to himself? What else separates us from all the other religions? Muhammad, dead. Buddha, dead. Krishna, dead. Joseph Smith, dead. Mary Baker Eady, dead. Charles Taze Russell, dead. Confucius, dead. L. Ron Hubbard, dead. Jesus, alive. Jesus, alive forevermore. So don't just, don't just have this surface level healing. This, this, I just want to soothe my conscience so I can get away because this stuff makes me feel uncomfortable. Some of you, your whole life, you've just been, just been dabbling with this healing ointment, but you've never applied it. Don't, don't get just enough to soothe your conscience, but not save your soul. It's been said that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death would have merely been a heroic death of a noble martyr, a pathetic death of a madman, or an execution of a fraud. But Jesus has risen. And that gives us hope. 
hope that remains. In our English connotation, we've taken that word hope and we've kind of, we've kind of messed it up. You know, it's kind of like at the free throw. I hope I make it. Oh, hope, it is sure, it is steadfast, it is built on the promises of God. It is definite. It is life-giving. For the true child of God, it is upon a life that you did not live. It is upon a death that you did not die, that you stake your eternity. You stake your eternity on Jesus' life, on Jesus' death, and on Jesus' resurrection. You know, we're tempted, Christians, to think, yeah, I've done done that. It's like a flu shot. I got it. I moved on. Oh, not true. Brothers and sisters, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We have to believe it every day. We have to be reminded of it over and over and over. As that old song says, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. How lost was my condition till Jesus made me whole. There is but one physician. He can cure a sin-sick soul. Jesus Christ is the balm of Gilead to save your soul. Jesus is the true healer and restorer. You need a remedy for your sin, and it's found in Jesus. So, so take that, that balm of Gilead, and by faith apply that soothing ointment of his mercy and his grace upon your soul. Christian, is he calling you back? Have you drifted? Have you wandered off? Christian, is he calling you to a closer walk with him? Is he calling you to repent of a sin that has so, so overwhelmed you? Oh, Christian, is he calling you back? Unbeliever, Is he calling you this morning for the first time? Is he calling you to trust? To trust him to save you? Turn to Jesus today. Trust him to forgive you, to save you. For salvation and healing are only, only found in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you have you've spoken to us in your word. Lord, you don't need us. Lord, you don't need me. You said you can cause the rocks to cry out. And so, Lord, just take your word and apply your word to our hearts. Thank you that you're all-powerful. Thank you that you attend to us. Thank you that you are kind and full of mercy. 
Oh, Lord, call us back to you and enable us to run. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.